Today we're going to begin a brand new series called Refocus. Say Refocus. We're going to refocus on our word for the year, which is the word increase. (laughs) The word increase. The word of the year is increase. Say increase. Our goal this year is to increase in three areas. We're going to increase our efficiency, our effectiveness, and our efforts. And let me tell you that our staff has been working diligently in all three of these areas. And we thought that it would be good at this midpoint of the year to refocus on our three-part goal. And after your response, I think we are spot on. (laughs) So today we're going to refocus on increasing efficiency. How to increase efficiency. And let me begin with a definition. This is not the only definition, but it's the definition that I'm going with today. A definition of the word efficient. To be efficient means to do more with what we have. Say do more with what we have. Somebody said what we have is God's gift to us. What we do with what we have is our gift to God. Well, I want us to read a very, very familiar Bible story, and I want us to see if we can glean some insight on how to increase efficiency, how to do more with what we have. Now, Jesus, of course, is the master teacher on how to do this. We find this story recorded in the book of Mark, chapter number six, the book of Mark, uh, chapter number six, and we're going to read verses 30 through 44 this morning. We're going to talk about how to become more efficient. Now, I want you to understand that this will work in our church, and we're talking about that for our church, but it'll also work in your business. It will also work in your family. It will work anywhere that increased efficiency would be helpful. All right, let's read Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. The Bible says, then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And Jesus said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. How many know that when preachers don't have time to eat, they're too busy? (laughs) So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread. Because they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them and the two fish he divided among them all. 
So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. I want to suggest five things that we can do in order to become more efficient. The first thing we can do, and that is we can take inventory of what we have. Take inventory of what we have. In in, in verse 38 of our story today, Jesus said to the disciples, he said to them, he said, go see what we have. Go see what? Jesus said to the disciples, go see what we, what we have. Jesus said to them, go gather up all of our resources. Here's some good admonition for you this morning. Stop focusing on what we don't have and start focusing on what we do have. See, the disciples were focusing on what they did not have. Fact of the matter is, when you read the story, you find that they made at least three excuses for why they could not see the impossible done that day. Three reasons why the multitude could not be fed that day. In verses 35 and 36, they first of all they said it's too late in the day. You know, if it had been a little bit earlier, maybe we could have done something about it, but it's too late in the day. Second excuse they made was we're in the wrong place. Ever heard that excuse before? You know, if I was just somebody, if I was just somewhere else, you know. Uh, you know, this is just a hard place. And that was an excuse that they, that they made. They said, we're, we're in the wrong place. And the third excuse they made was, we don't have enough money. Man, 200 penny worth of bread, you know. We, 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 don't have, we don't have the resources to pull this off. But if you read the story, you'll see that Jesus ignored their excuses. And Jesus said, stop talking about what we don't have and let's take inventory of what we do have. Go see what we have. See, see, Jesus knew that in a crowd that size, 5,000 men, that means there were more women there than men because there's more women that go to church than men. And those families had kids, so there might have been 15,000, 20,000 people that were there that day. Jesus knew that in a crowd that size, there had to be resources that they knew nothing about. And he was right. Listen to me this morning, church. There are gifts, there are talents, there are abilities that are hidden in our crowd. There are resources that we are totally unaware of. Just recently, I discovered a hidden jewel sitting among us. And I I have tapped into his unique abilities and what a blessing he has already become to our church. Hear me this morning, if you are on staff or if you are a ministry director, don't focus on what you don't have. Stop focusing on what you don't have. Don't make excuses like, you know, if I only had more workers. Excuses like, you know, if I only had more money. You know, pastors who tight-fisted with the money. If you'd just give me me some more money for my ministry. You know, if I just had better equipment, that's what it is. It's the equipment. If I just, man, if I had the latest and the greatest. Stop focusing on what you don't have. Take inventory. Look around. Stop going to the same few people over and over. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, there are resources out there. There are resources among us that are going totally untapped. There are people out there that have the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you need. Go find them. 
Jesus said, go see what we have. How do you increase efficiency, first of all? And how do you do more with what we have? First of all, take inventory. Take inventory. See what we have. Second thing we need to do, and that is we need to involve more people in the process. Involve more people in the process. See, Jesus didn't feed the multitude all by himself. This miracle was not done as a one-man show. Are you ready for this this morning? Jesus wasn't territorial. Well, I could stop there and go from anointing to annoying really quick. Jesus involved his 12 disciples. Jesus involved a generous little boy in the process of this miracle. In verse 37, Jesus said to his disciples, you give them something to eat. You do something about this situation. You give them something to eat. And in verse 41, it says that after Jesus blessed the little boy's lunch, that he gave the bread and he gave the fish to the disciples. Who did he give the bread and fish to? He gave it to the crowd? No, he didn't give it to the crowd. He gave it to the disciples. And when Jesus gave the food to the disciples, there was a miracle that took place. But I'm telling you, that wasn't the only miracle because the disciples took what Jesus gave to them and they gave to the crowd. And there was another miracle that took place that day. Here's what I know, and that is smart leaders understand the value of everyone's contribution. The way to increase efficiency is to recognize the unique gifts of each individual and then strategically involve them in the process. See, God has a place for everybody. He doesn't just have a place for me. He doesn't just have a place for my staff. God has a place for everyone. Listen, your place might be on the platform or your place might be out in the parking lot. But God has a place for you. We all have a place, and every place is important. See, see, people see a host of our volunteers before they ever see me. In fact, I'm the last person they see unless they meet me in the, in the lobby. So, and, and let me say this. Once you find your place, please be in your place. It's one thing to find your place. It's another thing to be in your place. And can I tell you, I'm the bulldog, so I got to tell you, oftentimes I see people, see people on Sunday morning, they are out of their place. So don't just find your place, but once you find your place, be in your place and fill your place with joy. I'll never forget a couple of years ago, we were on vacation. We went to church. And I'll never forget pulling into the parking lot. And I pulled into the parking lot, and the parking attendant says, Park over there. I wanted to circle the parking lot and go to another church. I never even heard this worship. I hadn't, I hadn't uh, heard the preacher. But man, that guy had a park over there. Yes, sir, drill sergeant. Fill your place with joy. Amen. Fill your place with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. And let me just tell you this. I'm going to get on the edge this morning. Listen, if you can't fill your place with enthusiasm, it's time for you to take a step back. 
Man, we don't have enough workers and pastors trying to drop some of them that we have. I don't care. I'm telling you, we ought to have a joy. We ought to have an enthusiasm and excitement about our place. We need to understand how important our place is and give our best to that place. So fill your place with joy and with enthusiasm and fill your place consistently. Make a commitment to your place. Now, if you lead a ministry, find more places inside that ministry. Find more places inside that ministry and fill those places with people. Well, how do we increase efficiency? Well, we begin by taking inventory of what we have and then we involve more people in the process. And number three, and man, this number three is huge. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a big one. Number three, use your influence. Somebody said it's not what you know, but who you know that really matters. And there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of truth to that. See, everyone has some influence. Everyone has some influence. That's why we have to be really, really careful as leaders how we, how we react to different things because we know we're not just dealing with that person. We're dealing with that person and all the people that they have influence over. And sometimes as a pastor, it's really, really hard to do the, to do the right thing and, do the, and make the hard call because you know it's not just that one person that's going to be affected and maybe be angry with you and maybe even leave the church. You know they've got influence. Because everyone has influence. And listen, influence can get stuff done that talent, ability, and even money can't get done. In our story today, Jesus used his influence. In verse 38, also recorded this same story in John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6 and verse number 9, it says that when Jesus sent his disciples out among the crowd to gather up all the food they could find, all they found was five loaves of bread and two small fish, and these belonged to a little boy. Here's what I'm thinking. If you're thinking something different, well, you can preach it your way when you're preaching, but this is mine. Here's what I'm preaching. Perhaps, I use the word perhaps. Perhaps the lad gave to Jesus what he wouldn't give to anybody else. Perhaps the disciples said to the little boy, they used the Jesus name to get it done. I had a leader in my church years ago in another church I pastored. This leader, when this leader wanted to get something done, they'd say, pastor said. And half the time, pastor hadn't said. But she thought if she used pastor's name, she'd get the job done. And perhaps the disciples said to the little boy, Jesus wants what you have. To the little boy, perhaps they said, Jesus needs what you have. And I don't know this morning, but perhaps, perhaps the little boy wouldn't give his lunch to Peter. He wouldn't give his lunch to Andrew. He wouldn't give his lunch to James or to John. But what he wouldn't give to them, he was willing to give to Jesus. Jesus used his influence. One way to increase efficiency is to use our influence. 
I've used my influence to get some things done for our church that simply would not have gotten done without my influence. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the story. I'm just telling you the truth. I'll never forget the first loan that we got to build the building next door. The banker, out of his own words, he said to me, I want you to understand I'm not loaning this money to your church. I said, what? I ain't loaning this money to your church. I'm loaning this money to you. What you talking about, Willis? He said, and I want it in your constitution and bylaws. As long as you have this loan, you have to be the lead pastor of this church. I said, well, that ain't going to happen. But I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leading this church into debt and running off. It was my influence. Not saying that to brag, or, but I'm just saying, I'm, here's what I'm saying. There are things that you can get done for the kingdom that nobody else can. See, see, I had influence with him, but you have influence with other people that I have no influence over. And there are things that you can get done for the kingdom that nobody else can because of your influence. Somebody said it like this, and that is a moment of favor is worth a lifetime of labor. See, see, there will be people who will be in the kingdom, and there are people who will miss out on the kingdom because of our influence or because we failed to use our influence. By the way, be very careful who you allow to influence you. In my early ministry, when I was in my early 20s, I, I started hanging around a group of pastors. And I allowed some negative ministers to influence me in a negative direction. And I started becoming skeptical. And I started to become critical. And I started to become rebellious. Thank God I got my eyes open to them and I pulled away from their negative influence. I'm telling you that my outlook on ministry would be drastically different today had I not. Be careful who you allow to influence you and and be very, very careful with your influence. Be very careful with your influence. See, see, we're going to be held accountable for what we did with our influence. We will also be held accountable for what we did not do with our influence. So ask yourself, who do I have influence over? Who, who looks up to me? Who comes to me for advice? Who, who listens to what I have to say? Who, who's following me? And then ask yourself, what am I doing with these people? What, what am I saying to them? What kind of an example am I leaving for them? Am I influencing them towards Jesus or away from him? Am I using my influence to get them connected? Am I using my influence to get them involved in some kind of ministry? Am I influencing them in a negative way? How do we increase efficiency, use our influence? We all have influence. Notice the next thing, and that is initiate a process. See, there was no way that Jesus could have fed 5,000 families without a process. It would have been total chaos. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would have been like without a process feeding 15, 20,000 people? 
hungry people. So Jesus divided the 5,000 families into groups of 50s and 100s. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. As the lead pastor of the Grace Place, I cast vision and I give direction. Not all that I do, but I cast vision and I give direction. And then I place that vision into the hands of my staff and they flesh out the vision. And they are constantly working on the process, planning and strategizing and and agonizing. I often call it death by meeting. Come on. Here's all I ask of them. I only ask them one thing, and this is what I ask of them, and that is to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the right process. Don't just have a roundtable discussion. Don't just put your heads together and see what y'all... Don't just get on the internet and pull from this... Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the right process. Because one size does not always fit all. It's okay to borrow processes from, from, from other places, but only, say only but only after genuinely asking the Holy Spirit for direction and only if the process matches our DNA. Here's what I believe. The God who gives us direction can also reveal to us the details on how to carry it out. I've said this before, but I'll say it again this morning. That is every single time, every single time, I have seen anything significant accomplished for the kingdom through my ministry happen as a direct result of hearing and then obeying what I heard God say. You've heard me say it a thousand times. Finish this statement this morning. A God idea will work. A good idea, it'll work you. Notice the fifth and the final thing that is required in order for us to become more efficient. And that is we're going to have to become more intentional. We talk a lot about that. I want to talk a little bit more about that this morning. We need to become more intentional. Habakkuk, where one fellow said Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 2 says, Write down the vision, make it plain so that you can run with it. Here's what I know this morning. You can't hit a target unless you identify it can't hit a target unless you identify it. And the second thing I know is that is you can't hit a target unless you aim at it. Can't, can't hit a target if you don't know what that target is. You can't hit a target if you don't, first of all, identify it. But also, you cannot hit a target unless you aim at it. See, see, it's not enough to simply identify your target. Once you identify the target, you must intentionally aim at it and keep aiming at it and keep aiming at it and keep aiming at it until you hit it. The problem is there's so many distractions, so many interruptions, so many people pulling us this way and that way and some other way. And if allowed, if we allow it, it can get us off target. And people come to us with so many good ideas, and there's a million good ideas out there. And people come to us with so many good ideas that we oftentimes lose focus on the God idea. And that's what this series is all about today. I'm calling us all to refocus. I'm reminding us of our target this year, which is the target of increase. Say increase. First of all, increasing our 
efficiency, doing more with what we have. Most of us just ask God for more. God says, hey, you ain't doing nothing with what I gave you. Why should I give you more? God, I want to buy a house. God says, you're not taking care of the house you're in. You don't deserve a house. Come on. Doing more with what we have. And this will not happen without becoming more intentional. And let me say again, my staff has been working extremely hard in this area. Their hard work has produced a, a new declaration that we want every single TGP family member to make. And I want to reveal it to you right now. New member declaration. I want everyone eventually to be able to make this declaration. First of all, I am a part of a family who gathers together. Gathers together. That's what we're doing this morning. We're gathering together. As we do life with one another, we invite and welcome others into the family. I aspire to be committed and accountable to providing care for everyone. Not only do we declare that we a family that gathers together, but also I'm a part of a family who grows together. As we pray and as we read the word, our identity in Christ is revealed and transforms who we are. And so I, I aspire to be committed and accountable to a life of growing and leading others in next steps. But not only am I a part of a family who gathers together and grows together, but, but I want us all to declare that I am a part of a family who gives together. Who gives together? Oh, as we own the vision, we carefully give our time, we give our talent, we give our resources. And because of that, I aspire to be committed and accountable to doing my part in the family. And finally, I'm a part of a family who goes together. As we live on mission, we reveal the caring heart of God to the world. Because of that, I aspire to be committed and accountable to making a local and global impact. Our takeaway today is this. We didn't come this far to only come this far. I said we didn't come this far to only come this far. And in order to go to the next level, it will require an increase in efficiency. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10 says, A dull axe requires more strength, so sharpen the blade. Don't wear yourself out trying to cut wood with a dull axe. Sharpen the blade. And that's exactly what we're trying to do at the grace place.